Hey, welcome to Spokane Birth Integrity. I'm Rachel. I'm Amanda. And we're the team behind SpokaneBirthResources.com. Our mission is to connect women and families to local Spokane resources for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum care. On each episode, we'll spotlight one of the businesses from our resource directory and discuss baby-related topics. We'll also check in on each other's lives, talk about ridiculous and probably funny things our children have said and done. We geek out about the miracle of life and everything that surrounds it. It's business time. It's business. It's business time. In our first interview for Spokane Birth Integrity, Rachel and I had the privilege to talk to Trisha Hughes, Clinical Director of Maddie's Place. This Spokane-based nonprofit is a recovery nursery for babies experiencing withdrawal due to prenatal substance exposure, as well as a safe place for moms to connect with their babies as they experience withdrawal and recover from drug use. Maddie's Place is one of only five companies in the United States that uses this mother-baby bonding model to help in the recovery process. Trisha hopes that, by keeping meticulous notes and records, she can lay a foundation for more recovery nurseries in the future, in the Spokane area and beyond. With a soft launch planned for this summer, Trisha shares her heart behind her mission to serve the vulnerable in our community, the amazing response Maddie's Place has received so far, and how to get involved with Maddie's Place. Volunteer cuddler, anyone? Without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Trisha. So give us... um... The background of Maddie's Place, who you are, what your passion is, um, what you're trained in, all that sort of stuff. Okay. Um, so my name is Trisha Hughes. Uh, I am um, a wife and mother of nine children and a nurse um, and a foster parent. So those are kind of all the hats I wear and they overlap in a lot of different ways. But um, this all started... Um, Let me back up again a bit. I've been a foster parent for 19 years, um, and um, in 2008, we were just to about about to adopt a two-year-old, and um, I got a phone call at 10 o'clock at night asking if we would take her little sister, Mm. (laughs) this two-year-old that we were about to adopt. I had no idea that mom was pregnant, um, and a baby showed up an hour and 15 minutes later at my doorstep. So, um, Brand, brand new. Brand new. She was 18 days old, actually. Wow. Oh, um, she'd been living on the streets between Seattle and Spokane with her mom, who was um, an opiate uh, user. And um, I, this was the first. I, so this was our fourth foster child. Um, it was about we were about to complete our third adoption, and all of my other kids had gone through withdrawal, but they'd been in a different foster home for that part of their life. So even though I'm a nurse and all my experience is the labor and delivery, um, level two special care nursery, high risk antepartum, all of that, it was not during the, the substance use years that we're seeing now. It was in the 90s. And um, I, could t- I knew something wasn't right, but I couldn't quite put my finger I didn't really know what I was looking at and um, I took her you know you instantly have to take your foster placements to the a pediatrician within 72 hours I think it is of receiving them and um, even my family doctor was like I don't know maybe you know she's a little more jittery than normal I'm like she's puking all the time she's I was changing her clothes five times a day her skin was peeling off in layers from her belly button to her knees and um, she she was just a hot mess and she was super easily overstimulated just really couldn't tolerate noise 
um, at all. So um, it took me about 10 days, but I finally found a nurse practitioner who sees a lot of foster kids, and she took one look at her and said, this is the worst opiate baby I've seen yet. She knew exactly what she was looking at. And um, by that time, I had figured out if I wore her in a movie on my chest, she was much happier and able to calm, and um, I was able to be her external regulator that way. Um, I'd have to take her out to feed her and change her clothes, of course, because she was, that's part of withdrawal is they're just, you're just, they're just gushing snot and saliva. So they're soaked. Um, so, um, I, we actually did a bunch of tests cause we got some more history of what she'd been through and we just wanted to make sure she didn't have any broken bones or anything like that. Um, or that none of what we were seeing were seizures cause she was tremoring all the time. Um, so, um, no, in fact, it all was due to withdrawal and over the next couple of weeks, they offered to admit her and put her on morphine a couple of times. Um, but they kept saying, you know, if, if you feel okay, keep, keep doing what you're doing, you know? And, um, I just felt like she was just beginning to connect with me. I couldn't bear the thought of leaving her in the hospital yeah. and walking away from her. So, um, so I wore her all day and all night I sat up to, uh, at night because you can't lay down with your foster babies and um it's hard to lie down when the baby's in a moment yeah, exactly right so I just yeah. sat on a couch or in a chair and um that was really the only place she was calm and and could sleep and um for three months she was symptomatic like that um at around three months she could start to tolerate a little bit more time out of the Moby but it really was six months before she was better you know mm-hmm. so during that time I started um, reaching out to friends who were in foster care and just trying to read more the internet was still very early stages and it, we were just starting to see that shift to more opiate use from meth methamphetamine so there was beginning to be a lot about meth but not a, too much about opiates yet so um I just started realizing every a lot of people are getting babies that look like this you know and um just said to my husband, what are we going to do? I have to take all these, I mean, somebody's got to help them. Nobody knows. Nobody could tell me what to do, you know, and let alone even what they were looking at. It took me almost two weeks to find someone to diagnose her correctly. And then, um, I, you know, she was my eighth child. I was a nurse with all this baby experience and I was punting. So, so yeah, eighth infant that I'd taken care of, mm-hmm. no, never mind all the babies I'd helped deliver and taken care of in the hospital. So, um, I just started, I, um, I really started to kind of panic, like what's happening to all these babies, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's the life of a foster parent. You're not really told what you're handed, <laughs> you know, you just, you handed a child and you have to kind of figure them out. That's kind of the way it goes. So, um, Anyway, my husband very wisely said, you know, you can't, you can't take them all. We can't take them all. Maybe someday we can have a place where you teach people how to do what you're doing for Maddie and we can have a place where they can um, recover together and you can train the families that are caring for them. Um, so why don't you think about that? <laughs> and so um, about three and a half, almost four years ago now, my husband said to me uh, that he felt like the kids were old enough where he could really pick up a lot of the stuff at home. And um, I I was really, through another job I had started, I was kind of getting interested in this again. And um, he said, why don't you give it a shot and see, see what you can do? 
So I had a meeting in June of 2017 and when um, about 20 people where I kind of talked about what, uh, you know, what my passion was, what I saw happening in the community and what do you guys think, you know, and mm-hmm. everybody agreed it was a great idea and sorely needed here. So um, yeah, give it a shot, go for it. So. And can you clarify, like, I, the word meth is a common drug that mm. people recognize as meth heads, and I, but what are opiates? Opiates are um, anything uh, that, it, gener- it started, the opiate crisis essentially started with uh, pain pill, pain medication, oxycodone, um, Vicodin, Percocet, all those, um, so any of the narcotic that's in there those medications and opiate and now we have fentanyl which was manufactured yes as a very strong drug it's used all the time in kids even in the hospital for pain control but it's now um shuttled in from mexico and mixed into all some of the other opiates that people are are used to using and it's it's highly deadly so uh super concentrated and very deadly so um and a lot of times they don't know exactly okay exactly because it's it's like laced with the street drugs that people are taking right even oxycodone like there are there's currently i just read this morning in the newspaper there's um oxys being made that are laced with fentanyl So, yeah, heroin is your classic opiate, right, made mm-hmm. from the poppy seed, and it's all, all the pharma drugs are uh, derivatives of that. So that was a very rocky start with Maddie. Absolutely. Um, and so how, where is she at now? How is she doing now? So she'll be 13 next week, um, and she is, I had to say, like, probably the most emotionally intelligent child of, of all my kids and the most um, able to self-regulate, which is a really interesting thing, you yeah. know, because yeah. they, they're so unable to do that in the beginning. But if you can help them and be their external regulator, they learn it from you. I mean, we've actually shown the baby's cortisol levels come down and match yours, you know, and if you can stay calm while they're escalating. So um, there's just so much we can do, so much that we know about the way, about neurodevelopment and the way that babies learn to mm-hmm. be um, self-aware. And they learn it from us. And so if we're not so much, it's difficult to teach that. You know, um, another interesting thing is that um, I've, I've heard Lori Moon is a local nurse practitioner who takes care of a lot of kids with exposure issues. And um, I've heard her say she believes all kids with exposure have communication disorders, which is I kind of was like a light bulb moment for me. It was like, yes, that is what I see in my kids. Not Maddie. It's the most interesting thing. But, for example, being able to express a problem um, or an observation to you, and, and you say, I, I don't quite understand what you mean. Tell me more about that. She can then tell you more about that. Or come come in from a different angle and help you understand what she's trying to say. Other kids freeze. They don't know how to expand on that, you know? So it's just really, it's subtle, and you're not going to really notice that until they're older and should be able to be able to elaborate. But and exposure um, disorder, interesting. you mean a drug addiction? Exposure, right. Prenatally exposed to some, okay. okay. And, and the word addicted too is another, um, issue. Well, it's, it's just, there's just been an ongoing effort to not refer to infants as addicted because that implies behavior. And so they, they're born physically and chemically dependent on whatever 
they were exposed to prenatally. And, and depending on how close to their use mom delivers, they may not be, um, they may not quickly go into withdrawal, but their body, once that source is cut off, they're going to be shedding it and, and experiencing some neurobehavioral changes just as the, the chemicals work their way through their body. So. But to use the word addicted would imply that they chose exactly. that as opposed to it being imposed. Drug dependent, right. Mm-hmm. right. So that's There's a word that's more applied then to mothers. Mothers were addicted, they have the behavior to choose to take the drugs, but the babies did not. Right, to some point, right? <laughs> but yeah, the babies um, really had no choice. It's just a physical uh, dependence. So how does Maddie feel about having Maddie's place named after her? She um, She's really excited, actually. Um, she's at this little school this year, too, where there's just been a lot of closed loops with Maddie's place. Um, and they, about two months into school, went, oh, you're the Maddie of Maddie's place. And she was just elated, you know. So um, she's pretty happy. And she knows I you know I've been taking foster kids the last three years who were both drug exposed and medically fragile and I uh, my kids have been helping me with those babies and it's a beautiful full circle because they get to see what I gave to Maddie in a sense I, I would have given it to all of them they weren't in my home but they it's just um a beautiful full circle for them to be able to participate in taking care of these babies that are struggling how many fosters do you think that you've had since Maddie. Since Maddie? Yeah. Um, not a whole lot since. I've had just maybe five since Maddie, but I had a bunch before her. Okay. So um, Maddie's 13, been a foster parent for 19 years, and those first six years is when we were really doing a, a lot of foster care. So I've had, I think, 17 babies, okay. kids, babies. <laughs> for any for any length of time, right? Some of them are adopted. Of others were um, just in for however long. I've had them from you know thirty six hours to a month to forever. <laughs> so is Maddie's place currently open for business? We are not open yet. Okay, we just raised enough money to buy this building. December thirty first, we closed on it. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. It was. It took a while to really sink in that it had happened. You know, yeah. I think it was mid January before it just hit me one day. But um, so we um, are currently working on getting our construction approval from the Department of Health for our licensing, and then um, we're right now the goal is for a soft start in June, probably the end of June, where with a capacity for three babies, and while the rest of the building is being remodeled for our max capacity of 17. We're hoping that's done by October. Is that mothers and infants or just Every babies? room that we'll have for a baby can accommodate an adult. So um, we will have 24-7 visiting hours um, for a mom or a dad. One parent can spend the night. Um, and um, we really, our goal is to just come alongside these moms and, and dads. We're going to have the occasional dad, probably more, more moms, but um, and help them um, help them see and be able to provide what what their baby needs. These babies miscue. They don't always communicate what they need. They kind of communicate the opposite. And then the moms, because of their own struggles, sometimes misread <laughs> the miscue. And it's like a, it's the perfect recipe for 
disaster, unfortunately. And so if we can help mom understand your baby's not looking at you because it's too much stimulation. He's not telling you he doesn't like you or that he doesn't want to connect with you. It's not that. It's just too much stimulation. Mm -hmm. So um, there are ways that you actually can train a child to make eye contact. It just Mm -hmm. takes a little bit of time. And so just all these things. And when they see us, I think, accepting them and wanting to help them bond with their baby, um, that's what I, where I think the magic is here. I mean, if, if moms can't stay and no family's here, our staff will be taking care of these babies just as if they were our own. Um, but if there's a parent here who is going to be taking this baby home, we'll just be teaching them as much as we can and trying to come alongside them and help them get ready to be set up for success when they leave here. So how long can they stay? Um, our... The nursery in Ohio that's currently running this uh, a program just like that, this um, actually has been open for four years. Her average day is 46 days. Okay. So um, we're finding that babies are generally ready to go home if you're go- they're going to an experienced home. So if it's, you know, a foster parent who kind of knows what they're doing and they've been, a- been here bonding with the baby, um they can probably go home in 10 to 14 days or, or a grandparent or, you know, a relative, anybody who isn't facing having to care for themselves at the same time. So, um, in those cases, when you've got mom, dad, um, mom or dad, and they've also got their own struggles to sort out when they leave here with their baby. Um, we want to be able to really individualize that that care so that it really depends on where they're at and what do they have, what are their resources, what resources do they need, how accessible you know have we been able to find things for them. Um, so yeah, we're gonna make have a very squishy discharge uh-huh. um, time and discharge criteria because we want to really be able to look at the diet together and decide when they're ready to go. So we've got a whole section in in the um, south end of the building that will be for the longer stays um, where it will be a little bit louder, more toys, more talking about infant development, more, you know, more work with mom. What do you need? Our social worker will be heavily involved back there. Um, and that, so that's the plan when babies are able to tolerate a little more stimulus to move them to a, a different area of the building where it's a little bit louder and we can start to really kind of treat them like a healthy baby. Is there um, skill development for the parent while they're here too, like helping them find an appropriate place to live and get a job and that kind of thing? Or is it mostly just getting them through detox? Um, so that's going to be, that's going to really depend if they ended up staying at the hospital for their eat, sleep, console program, which is how they address opiate um, dependent babies at the moment they're out of the hospital in four or five days. So an adult withdrawal, the worst of it is over by four to five days. So if those moms have been staying with their baby, they're through the worst of their withdrawal by the time they get here. Mm -hmm. So um, we will actually be helping them get into treatment if they're ready for it. If they want to spend the night here, they have to be engaged in treatment somewhere. We probably won't have them long enough to address uh, jobs and things mm-hmm. like that um, absolutely can get them plugged into places that will work with them. Sure. And a lot of temporary housing or um, supervised housing has that part 
of it built in. We really want to focus on bonding and connection right. between mom and baby. And is there something that you're going to offer like once they're, they're gone? Or is it kind of like once they're discharged, you've set them up with resources and now you wait goodbye? <laughs> Bye. Or no, is, absolutely. It, is there a continued relationship that you're holding? Yes. Yeah, so we will have a 24-hour text line um, for anybody who takes a baby from here um, for a year. Um, for the first year of that baby's life. And then um, while they're here also, um, there are probably five, I think, I might be missing somebody, five local agencies that provide occupational therapy, physical therapy, and feeding therapy for these babies. Um, and that's all coordinated through the health department. So while the babies are here, um, whoever mom chooses can come and work with the babies uh, and make make up their care plans. Uh, our staff and moms will be doing the daily work with babies, but um, the the idea is for the the OTs and PTs to be able to develop a relationship with mom and just keep an eye on these babies while they're here, right? And get to know these babies a little bit before they're out in the community. So then, once they leave here, they can opt to um, to accept in home services. So mm -hmm. that OT, PT, and then feeding if they need it are actually visiting their home mm -hmm. once a week. So so they're not having to worry about getting from here to there exactly. and maybe missing an appointment. Exactly, and it's all home based. Um, and sometimes they're hesitant. Sometimes these moms are hesitant to engage in that. And so that's where I think Maddie's Place is a great opportunity. We've got them here. Come meet them. And, you know, if you don't like this feeding therapist, well, how about this one that's here today with this group? You know what I mean? I mean, they just, it gives them a more, um, a way to feel more educated and part of the decision. And here's your agency and this person is going to visit you on Tuesday. You know, it just so, empowers them for the exactly, future. Exactly. We want them to feel like they've got people on their team. You know, um, the same with pediatricians. We hope to have a few. Um, we've actually got two selected already. We're hoping to gather a couple more pediatricians that take turns um, rounding on the babies here so that it gives them an opportunity to meet mom because um, that's unfortunately where a, a lot of things are, are dropped off is um, out, released from the hospital, supposed to follow up with pediatrician, yeah. don't show up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and nobody knows that, <laughs> you know, um, there's just no way to track that. And so if we can give moms an opportunity to meet some of these doctors and to actually choose someone that they don't feel threatened by or that they feel like they could connect with, um, there's more empowerment, right? And then it doesn't become someone they're afraid of because it's going to call CPS on them or something like that. Because really, people don't want to take their babies away. Like, um, I, I, I understand that's a big um, a barrier and that has been sort of the direction of, of wealth, child welfare in the past, but there's really a huge moment movement to um, support these families together and heal them together. And if they're able to be together and detox here and continue their own baby mother relationship, does, does that like help break a cycle and with the babies of going out and doing the same thing as the moms? Does it help break the cycle with the mom? I mean, because I know that That's you're a newer company, question. but yeah. is that what the place in Ohio is seeing? Or I don't know if they're specifically keeping that data. They are able, they are showing that more moms take their babies home from there um, as opposed to the number that just take them home from the hospital. So in other words, they do a better job of keeping mom and baby together than if they just went through the normal go to the hospital, stay for four days, and then out on your own. 
So, um, and then they also have a higher number of moms still engaged in services at a year than um, their local child welfare uh, services have been able to accomplish. So, um, that's encouraging. Donna. Yeah, yeah. Um, but another really encouraging data is was collected by Dr. Therese Grant. She's um, was a local. I think she still is here. She helped start PCAT Parents for Children and um, Partners with Children and Parents. Um, and she has shown that if if mom retains custody of her child, she's three times less likely to have another exposed child. So she's three times less likely to continue to use through another pregnancy. So um, that's huge, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and I... Um, Part of, of, like I was talking about the magic and the success I feel like we could have here is uh, capitalizing on the moments after birth that both mom and baby are primed to connect, you know, Mm -hmm. like emotionally, you know, and chemically primed to bond in those first uh, days and weeks. And you don't get that time back, you know. Sure, there are some attachment windows later in life, but you don't get those early experiences and that time back. So... I just feel like it's critical to, if we're going to have a shot, that's where we've got to start. Yeah. Right. So ultimately, where would you like to see Maddie's place be? Like, would, where would you feel like you made it? Like, <laughs> oh, gosh. If you could accomplish all of your pipe dreams. <laughs> all of my pipe dreams. Wow. Um, Should I even open that? Yeah. <laughs> My board is like, shut up. I mean, because you've got a dream big post over here. Yeah. Right? So like, if you engage in that, just yeah. for a hot second, I'm yeah. saying, okay, what happens if this blows up and it's like greater? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, it's already way greater than I could have imagined yeah. at this point. I thought we were going to be this tiny little nonprofit that had to accept every, donate, donated everything, you know, and um, <laughs> broken chairs like, <laughs> like you're sitting in. And um, it has gone, like the legislature just gave us a huge grant, $644,000 in wow. the state, the Washington state budget um, as a line item. And um, we're already getting inquiries from other places around the country that are interested. <laughs> so um, in sending moms to you no, or in, in, in replicating having a Maddie place, Maddie's okay. place there. So okay. in creating Maddie's place, we're really focused on making it replicable and keeping track of all the barriers we've hit. And actually WSU, um, their research, uh, health sciences from the school of health sciences, they're putting together a white paper on all of the barriers, um, and facilitators, but it's more barriers to setting up a nursery like this across the country. So we'll be the fourth one in the country that's just like this, where moms can come and stay. The fifth one um, takes care of babies this way, but moms aren't as um, accommodated for in their models. So, so you definitely aren't replicating anything that's in this area. No. So you get to be a brand new. Yeah. Brand new door. Yeah. Yes, we are. A brand new opportunity. Forging a lot of paths. So what's it been like to establish relationships with the hospitals? Do you have to go through CPS to get to the moms in the first place? Or how do they find out about you as they're in the hospital? Um, We're kind of working on that right now. And, you know, there's Providence and Multicare in Spokane. And there's not a great relationship between the two. So we've had to work at um, really ad- talking to the providers and the 
um, the doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners that are caring for this population now, and um, they understand that more is needed. Like they understand when they send a mom and baby out at four days that that baby's not done withdrawing, and mom isn't quite ready yet to go home and manage that. Um, foster parents have a hard time managing it, and you know, so it's it's difficult. They can be really. Um, really difficult to soothe they can be difficult to feed they can be um like they're arching out of your arms and not looking you in the face it's not those tender moments that you get with with a healthy regulated baby so um there's a lot of support from the boots on the ground i'll say i'll say it that way at, uh, at both hospitals and so um, we've also been in talks with um, Department of Children, Youth, and Families, which is the agency that um, coordinates foster care and casework and all that. Um, and they cannot wait till we get our doors open. They really, um, they're really pushing to leave babies within their families of origin and see this as um, a potential help in a critical moment that could make. A huge difference. So, so yeah, we will take referrals from DCYF, from the hospitals, or mom can just call us herself if she sees a, a rat card somewhere or um, somebody tells her about Maddie's Place and our phone number will be prominent on the website when we're ready to take um, babies and um, she can just call and show up. It's really not going to be, we're going to try to make it really wide gates and a narrow funnel you know, mm-hmm. because my goal for Maddie's Place is for Maddie's place to be the place that's seen as um, as an expert in this area of the care of, of exposed newborns and and through their life. You know, it's not over when they're done with withdrawal. There's issues that but they there's there's really face. not many there's not much information out. I feel like mm-hmm. you rarely hear about the drug addicted babies here in Spokane. I mean, mm-hmm. we've both gone through two pregnancies, and I don't remember hearing anything about mm-hmm. other resources for this type of population mm-hmm. so to have white gates i mean any i feel like everybody's gonna be like oh my gosh there's actually finally something here right you're we just need to get the word you're out you're gonna get it all yeah because mm-hmm. yeah. nobody once somebody knows it'll be so easy to refer right mm-hmm. exactly and that's that's where the replicable comes in too right mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. just asked me last week at a presentation what are you gonna do when you're full <laughs> That's a good problem to have, and we'll go back to all you know the Department of Health, all the things that we've needed, and say we need more. We need more space. We need to open one up north. We need to open one in the Tri Cities. You know, so um, that actually will just prove that it's a good thing. <laughs> How many people are you hoping to have hired here? So we're going to need 24-hour nursing staff. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to have um, seven or eight nurses. It will just have to be one. Um, on on site um but then uh in like six hour shifts probably 12 12 okay yeah but eight to 12s i'm going to try to be really flexible nurses like their flexibility with their shifts so um i'm trying to um yeah i'm just saying whatever you want to work we'll make it work (laughs) i really want the right people here i want the right culture i want the right um heart you know and and the staff here um, and then the other, the position uh, that will be doing most of the baby care is called a trained caregiver. Not, I don't love that term, but um, that's set forth by the license. Um, and those 
we will staff them on a one to two basis. So one trained caregiver for two babies. And then moms will be around, dads will be around, and then we'll also have volunteer cuddlers and volunteer helping hands, which is laundry, cleaning, all the rest cooking. of it. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, we have a great idea for cooking. We've got this huge commercial-sized kitchen in the back, as you know. Um, and um, I'd love for churches or local just groups, book clubs, whoever, come in and make a bunch of meals one day freeze them and single serving. We've got a walk-in freezer and a walk-in cooler. And then whenever mom and dad, whenever somebody's hungry, they can go pick whatever sounds good to them. And we'll have two dining tables back there um, to make it a little bit more comfortable. And um, I think that's the way we can provide food for our parents. Are they able to bring in... Are they able to go in and use the kitchen if they want to, if they had food that they brought with them? Or is it going to be... Maddie's place uh, serves them we could, only. No, we could, we could allow for that. Um, one of the things that's important is moms and nobody will be taking any of their electronics back with them. Mm-hmm. So all devices will be checked in the front in the locker um, because when you're here, you're here to bond with your baby. So um, it's really important to send that message of how critical it is to be paying attention and to be yeah. looking at your baby and not at your phone. So, so you need donations of like old school cookbooks, literal cookbooks. <laughs> Whoa, I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about the Google cookbooks, right. but you know, the Better Homes and Gardens. Like, there's right, all the basics. That's it. Yeah. That's it is. I've got that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, we could. I mean, that's another whole area that's in our minds that we're thinking about is having cooking lessons here. We could actually whip produces cookbooks. Um, we could um, show them, just walk through them and make any few of the recipes with foods that they'll be getting on their um, with WIC. Um, things like that. I've got a friend who wants to give them each $20 and walk to the farmer's market and teach them how to make a meal out of all fresh food they could buy at the farmer's market, you know? So, cause that's actually included in WIC now too, is farmer's market. Oh, um, awesome. Fresh nice. produce. So in the summer. So, um, so you're kind of open to, we're open to a lot, a lot of, of stuff. Things. We have a lot of ideas and, um, you know, another idea I have is this little area that we're starting with phase one for three babies. There's a huge issue here with feeding falling apart. Um, as the baby gets older, we think it's related to something that's in the methamphetamine here, but we're not, there's no good evidence. Nobody's really studied it. It's kind of anecdotal. And unfortunately, they end up with NG and, and G tubes. And, um, Which are not fun to take care of. No, they're not. And it totally interrupts all that. The food is bonding, right? I mean, yeah. when do you bond with your baby when you're feeding right. them? Cause you, you know, um, you have to be holding them. And when they're fed through a tube, you need 10 hands just to get the food into them. You know, you're not, yeah. you can't hold them and well, do it. And so all the tubes connected yeah. to feed bags and then you're uh, toting like a pole and a, like a, or a backpack with your pump. Yeah. As you're going around and then you have to be careful. It doesn't catch any doorknobs or in corners yep. or banisters. And it's a it can be discouraging. It's yes, very it discouraging, yeah. and it's not good for kids. Once we go that route, we've set up a whole different systematic yeah breakdown for them. So, well, and then it's hard to get back onto the mm-hmm. here's Whole Foods because you haven't really had to. An NG is one that goes through the nose, mm-hmm. and a G tube is one that's directly through your abdomen. 
So mm-hmm. there's no oral stimulation. So they're not building the muscles right. in their face. Or the sensory, it, it becomes a huge sensory right. issue. They don't want things in their mouth, and you know, about right. every third the, thing makes them gag. The tactile <laughs> yep. of like eating something, for, like mashed potatoes versus couscous. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big, mm-hmm. of the small, mm-hmm. small granny things. So, yep. Um, how do you see, on a scale of 1 to 10, how well does Spokane care for women and children, not necessarily just our local government, but the community? Because Maddie's Place is the first one of its kind mm-hmm. here, and so obviously there's a need. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think our city does well, and where do you think our city could improve? Mm-hmm. Good question. I I have to say we've been blown away by people's generosity and by how quickly people get it. We, we it's also been surprising how little people know <laughs> about the presence of these babies and how many there are and the actually what they go through from day one all, for the rest of their lives. You know, I guarantee you the teachers know, but they may not know what or why. You know, so. Um, it's a huge issue that I think nationwide we're not really addressing well. Um, but that said, generosity has been enormous. And once we can communicate the need and um, that it's not hopeless, that there are a lot of things you can do to mitigate um, what's been done um, during development, um, people have just been amazing. So I think there's a lot of effort here to find moms and help them. Um, it's difficult. It's hard to find them and it's hard to get to them while they're pregnant because that's ideal, right? Is to um, intervene or um, help before they get to the point of birth. But um, I feel like, and it's just been solidified over the last year as I've talked with other organizations, there's a lot of effort going into finding the moms but unfortunately that's left the babies lacking. <laughs> so our job is we are really focusing on the babies. We sign our emails with for the babies. <laughs> um, and we, we recognize that helping mom is helping the baby and we want mom to be successful. It's not our call whether mom's going to be raising this baby. We're not making that call, but right. we will absolutely support her. Um, and we want to support her because that baby has only known that that heartbeat and that voice for nine months you know attachment begins in the womb so you can't separate them at birth and think that either of them are going to be okay you traumatize both of them at that point so um uh, i think there's tremendous effort going on here and i think a little more could be done in working together Mm -hmm. um why is that such a challenge i'm not really sure trying to figure that out if it's personalities if it's you know the historical hospital rivalries Mm -hmm. i'm not really sure yet um it's interesting to me but um so you could maybe hope to be a unifier since you're taking care of mothers and babies and dads too exactly and babies who can argue about babies right you know i honestly i was worried that if we would take it would be really hard to convince people that these babies needed something more but it really wasn't very hard they start they got it you know so i was encouraged by that so you've been doing a fundraiser Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about how that's been going what it is are you just going and doing presentations how's Mm -hmm. that working 
Yeah, well, thanks to COVID, <laughs> we're all Zoom. <laughs> oh, gosh. So um, we had, I mean, it's crazy story of God's provision, but we were given a gift last fall that was just enough money to pay Vanessa Behan what they wanted to give us six months. So we gave them a monthly amount to help cover the utilities here and um, hoped that we could raise the money in six months. So that was uh, January to June when COVID hit yeah. in March. Right? <laughs> so, and, and just a side note, the building that we're in for Maddie's place is actually the old Vanessa Behan crisis nursery up on the South Hill. So that's right. what we're referring to as Vanessa Behan. Yeah. Um, so they graciously gave us those six months, but we didn't get very far. <laughs> um, so we were given that gift in the fall. It gave us just enough to get through six months of trying to raise money while in July, I believe it was the Avista Foundation was um, our first big presentation by a Zoom, and they gave us thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and um, we were ecstatic, but there was no way, and we needed one point two five million to buy this building. So um, we came back to Vanessa Vihan and said, "Would you please, would you give us another six months, please, if we continue to pay your monthly." Um, stipend. We added some more things. Um, I got someone to do the lawn care for free here during those six months, just trying to relieve them of the duties of looking after this building because they've moved. They have a great new facility. Um, and Amy has been phenomenal and just uh, at Vanessa behind, super supportive of me and, um, and of Maddie's place. Uh, our babies become their children. <laughs> so, so in the months that they gave you, were you just renovating in here? And We weren't even allowed to renovate because we didn't own it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we were just, um, we met here on occasion. Um, and then, and we were kind of trying, we were coming up with plans and what we, how we would renovate it. But mostly we were doing Zoom meetings. We were hitting... Um, we actually had the most success with foundations, um, and within, by the time the checks started coming and the commitments were in, it really was the last three months of the year. Mm-hmm. It was, it all came in. So, um, which was just phenomenal and mind blowing <laughs> at the same time to raise a million dollars in the middle of, of oh, a worldwide pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. Right around the holidays too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Honestly, thank thank the Lord for Zoom because (laughs) that really, that's how we did it. So if people uh, want to donate, Mm -hmm. where could they go? Donate money. Let's start there. If people want to donate money, where would it So we have a website, org, and there's um, a donate button at the top. There's an option to create a monthly donation um, if that's what you prefer or a one-time gift. Um, We're currently, we need to raise a couple hundred thousand more to be able to renovate this building. Um, We are blazing trails, and the Department of Health is um, holding us to a hospital-level construction standard, which is uh, quite a bit more money than we anticipated because um, we were, yeah, just had some unclear communication last year. So um, so that's our big push right now is just trying to get the money in the bank to finish our renovation. Uh, once we're actually open and um, have babies coming in, we are a Medicaid reimbursable service. So um, we should be hopefully by the end of 12 months from start um, sustainable. Hmm. So um yeah so we won't be coming back to people forever <laughs> yeah but um we do need to raise 
uh, quite a bit more to be able to fully renovate this this building and make it uh, the way right. we want it to be. So it's like one it's one time contributions. You're not right. looking at right like, for the rest for of the your next life. <laughs> ten years. We need donations. Or exactly. A burden on foundations. You're just asking right. for one time contributions. So if people can't donate money. Yep. What can uh, other tangible things can they offer or that you are looking for? Okay. Um, we'll have lots of volunteer uh, um, opportunities, and our volunteer page should go live on the website in the next couple of weeks. You know, it's that thing you try to time perfectly with your openings. I've had a lot of interest, but um, weren't quite ready to accept applications until um, until soon. So. Um, that will be coming up with all the all the links if you are interested in being a cuddler for babies, if you're interested, actually even up to RNs that can all be volunteers. So um, whatever your skills are or whatever you're interested in, it all depends on the level of training you're willing to participate in. Um, diapers, uh, we believe we'll get formula from WIC. We'll just use each baby's WIC. Part of one of the transitions that happens right now is they're these are fed the premix formula in the hospital and baby goes home and you switch to powdered from WIC. Well, there are differences. There's differences in the um, consistency. There's difference. There's bubbles. If you shake your bottles, you put a lot of bubbles in there and that can make them, um, yeah, it can really affect their reflux. So, um, we would like to be feeding them what they're going to go home on and then we can teach teach how to you know you stir a bottle instead of shaking it <laughs> all these little tweaks that you can do but that way there's no big change happening once they leave maddie's place so all that to say we think we're good on formula but diapers um t-shirts uh water wipes you know, all those kind of things so my what we plan to do is um, create a baby list and mm-hmm. uh, that baby list dot, is it dot org dot com well that's that's my idea because i do we do need to be kind of um picky about what touches their skin. Mm-hmm. You always want to dress a baby in withdrawal from the bottom up. You never want to take stuff off over their heads. You think about the way your babies reacted when you took mm-hmm. their clothes off, right? When they were well when they're already struggling struggling to hold it together, you just don't want to add that that yeah. stress. So um silly it's, things like that, right? But you need zip, snap, all those kind of you want the snap on t shirts or they've got to have those overlapping shoulders so you can pull them up from the bottom. Um, so yeah, so kind of particular about, um, that they also get really awful diaper rashes quite often. Um, sometimes it's from shedding toxins, uh, from impure drugs. Sometimes it's just because they have such bad diarrhea and you just can't constantly, you know, you're constantly wiping them. So, um, uh, I'm kind of going to be particular about the things that touch it's their like skin. It's like an so. Amazon wish list kind right. of thing. Right, exactly. Um, it's on baby list. We also use Amazon wish list. I could, absolutely. That, yeah. That's a great idea, actually. Um, and we could be maybe a smile. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, well, and then yeah. they have the smile donation where every purchase you make for your own house, yeah. like part of the proceeds go back to you. And yeah. Because you're an ORG, so. We are, yep. We're a uh, 501c3. Um, so... 
Yeah, so that's how um, that opportunity will be ongoing, you know, to and just replenish things. That you mentioned, like, the, the free, um, someone was doing, like, your lawn care for free. Mm-hmm, Could mm-hmm. that also be volunteer opportunities? It's like people saying, oh, I want to, like, nurseries, I want to donate all these flowers. We'll come in. We'll do your flower beds Absolutely. to make it look really great. And, or home repairs. Or, right. Yep. Yeah. Anything like that? Um, the repairs, I don't know because we'll be licensed with Department of Health. I'm not sure if there's rules, uh, you know, if you have to oh, have like yeah. licensed professionals working on But if someone was licensed, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, there'll be just like Vanessa Behan, you know, the only difference is that our service is, is payable through health insurance. Vanessa's is not. So they have to, you know, everything is donated right. there. Yeah. Um, so we will have a lot of similar needs. Um, but the meals, you know, if you're in a group of women that likes to cook, you know, pick a week for yeah. out of the year and come and make some meals. Um, and you can do it all here uh, in our great huge kitchen. <laughs> and you guys, you guys have an, an Instagram. We um, do. It's not. I, I started it last summer and I am. I don't even do social media. I was just trying to get a presence out there. So we need some, we need someone to run Instagram. <laughs> There's a volunteer opportunity. <laughs> um, do you guys also have like a Facebook? We do have Facebook. Um, we have Facebook, Instagram, and um, I have a LinkedIn profile as well. And um, the website is not kept up super well at this point that's really marketing has been a piece that's been a challenge for us because we've all been so busy just trying to get started that we're right we're like okay the people we tell are gonna know about it the rest is just gonna have to wait you know yeah. so mm-hmm. that's really where we need to step up especially as we ramp up for opening and do you already have all of your other employees like lined up or are you uh, going no, to be hiring I'm... as you increase in numbers yes yeah, exactly okay. so i really need my nursing team i have about four right now I need a couple more nurses to come along. <laughs> I see you. I, I have Tasha. <laughs> but yeah, I really would love, especially with the soft opening opportunity, because we have to have one nurse present no matter if we have one baby or 15 babies. That will give us a, a time to really develop our, our team and have everybody really understand what's going on here and good at it before we get to a point where we've got 17 babies we'll use very little medication Um, there's a lot of good research now showing that when you keep mom with baby and if you can't feed mom somebody is with that baby meeting their needs with attention (laughs) what do you know you need less morphine (laughs) shocker There's no coexisting here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 90% less morphine use when wow. you're actually... Wow, that's a huge drop. When you're meeting their needs 90%. with with um, attention and regulation and all that, you know, we'll be doing deep water like thalassobaths, um, music therapy, uh, massage, acupressure. There's just all kinds of cool things we can do. We're trying to do some cool things with scent. Because mm-hmm. scent is such a powerful memory mm-hmm. em- emitter. Um, I've somebody donated a huge bolt of like minky fabric, and I had it all sewn into little squares. And so, mom, we're gonna get mom scent on that minky and oh, leave that nice. with baby when mom isn't here. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah. Anyway, I have all kinds of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Because it yeah. really, something we talked about in our last podcast episode, why we wanted to start Spokane Birth Resources was because uh, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum are all connected. 
And there's a lot of resources that just give you one of the three or two of the three, but there's not a whole lot that say this is an all encompassing thing. So it sounds like what you're trying to get at is the physical, emotional, sensory, spiritual. Absolutely. Um, That just gives me, yes, (laughs) yes, absolutely. That's spent a long time thinking about all of the things and how can we address this issue and how can we do this better? I can't, you know, mandate that somebody works five days in a row, right? Mm -hmm. Although that consistency would be absolutely preferable for these babies, right? So how can we mimic that with scent? Mm -hmm. How can we, uh, you know, so anyway, just just things that I've had a lot of time to think about because I've been mulling this over my head for 12 years. (laughs) And you've got got quite a commute because you live up north. And so you've got got drug time to think about different things. All over all the time. Yes, lots of, lots of hours of dreaming is there anything else that you want people to know about maddie's place like there's one takeaway you wanted for people about maddie's place what would it be um i think i i'm really passionate about people understanding how critical the first days and weeks of life are and maddie's place exists to shore up those days and weeks and make sure that we're not adding to the problem in that time um, because you can actually do a lot to mitigate the issues if you start addressing it from the beginning. Too many kids wait until they're two, three, four years old, sometimes 16, <laughs> you know, to be for for the things that happened, you know, they're in early, those very early days, weeks, and years um, to really uh, show the harm that was done. So, um, can't fix, we can't fix everybody, but I think we can do a lot to mitigate the damage that's being done by separating moms and not, you know, meeting, meeting needs with medication rather than attention, mm-hmm. um, all of those things. So that's kind of a roundabout statement, but that I really want to focus on the importance of early life and we need to value that, value it and hold it up and support it as a community. That's perfect. Yeah. Wow, what an incredible resource Trisha and her team are bringing to Spokane with Maddie's Place. This is Rachel, and on behalf of Spokane Birth Integrity, I hope that you enjoyed learning about the work Trisha is doing to improve the first days of life for babies with opiate exposures and to equip their moms for motherhood. It was a pleasure to be able to bring awareness to their cause. It is our hope that many of our listeners will find ways to support this organization as Maddie's Place gets its feet off the ground this year. If you enjoyed this interview, please share it with others and be sure to find us on Instagram to let us know what you thought. Is this the first time that you've joined us? Well, stop by SpokaneBirthResources.com to learn more about the work that we are doing here in Spokane to make motherhood the amazing journey it should be. Till next time, bye!